this is Jessie. You're listening to another episode of Love Letters, a podcast that I have with my drum roll, please. Fiance Hunter Caps. <laughs> yes, it's true, folks. Hunter and I are engaged as of December 1st. 2019, we obtained the consent of all our parents to be married, and we're really happy and excited, and we have a podcast together, which is what you're listening to. In this episode, I wanted to do a 2019 year in review episode. It is nearing the end of the decade of the 2010s and nearing the end of this year, 2019. 2020 is upon us. And I wanted to exercise a little bit of reflection about the year and a lot happened in it. And so let's take a dive into what this year was like for me. Another announcement that is known to some friends and family, but perhaps not to the world, is that I got into PA school for the fall of 2020, which is a big accomplishment and something I'm looking forward to. With marriage on the horizon and grad school starting in the fall, there's a lot of changes coming up in 2020 which is prompting me to want to reflect on this past year and potentially this past decade and looking forward into what is to come for the next year and the next decade. Last year, at the end of 2018, I had just graduated from UAB undergrad. Um, And it was a challenging year academically because I had failed my senior research class in the spring when I was originally supposed to graduate. And so I had to retake that class, redo a whole nother research project. It was really challenging to overcome that obstacle and get myself to write that paper and finally finish with undergrad. But I had finished it and I was working as a medical scribe in Birmingham That's where I was. I had just graduated and I was working. But because I had had the stress of school and that whole part of my life behind me, I was really looking forward to what was to come and what kind of things I wanted to create, what kind of things I wanted to do with my life now that I had this free time. Because when I was in that rigid place of really trying to focus on Well, I was really in that place where I was, I had school and I had work and that was what my life was and there wasn't a lot of balance and I was daydreaming about all the goals and all the things that I wanted to do in 2019. So at the start of the year, I finally had time. I didn't have school. I took back some hours from work so that it was more balanced. I started working out. I started having more time for prayer and meditation and able to cook for myself and be more conscious about what I was eating. And I also wanted to beef up my social game because I hadn't been around friends. I hadn't been able to hang out with my friends for a long time or I would 
decline invites and so I was feeling like I wanted to I wanted to see my friends again and continue to build those relationships. I was really seeking balance in like exercise and praying and then I also hosted some devotionals at my apartment and hosted a game night or two and then went out with my friends one night and so January I was really happy because I finally had time to focus on the things that I had been pushing off for so long and it made me really happy to feel balanced and in control of my life again. And because I had just graduated and I was thinking about the future and my career goals and different opportunities between now and PA school, which is my ultimate goal, I knew that applying for PA school wouldn't be happening until the summer, but there was this opportunity with work to be a special ops scribe. For those who don't know, I decided that I wanted to pursue being a physician assistant and something that's really great for applying to PA school is having clinical health care hours. And so as soon as I had decided like this is the path that I want to pursue, I looked for a job and was able to become a medical scribe in Birmingham. That was the summer of 2017. And so a medical scribe A lot work in the ER, but there's also outpatient or inpatient settings. And the scribe does the documentation for the patient visit for the doctor. So the symptoms that the patient presents with and all all their complaints and their story and their physical exam and their diagnosis and any prescriptions they're given, that all goes in the electronic medical record and in the note. And so the scribe is the one who inputs all that information into the chart for the doctor. And so I was working in the ER for about a year and a half when I saw this opportunity to apply to be a special ops scribe, which is basically a role where a medical scribe can travel to different sites and work there or train new medical scribes and so they kind of move you around where the needs of a scribe are. And so that happened pretty quickly because I had applied in late December, early January, and I heard back in early January and they were like, yo, so I got your application. We need you in Naples. And I was like, whoa, this is happening fast. I have an apartment in Birmingham. I didn't know this was going to happen. When they called me, I wasn't even sure that I wanted to do it. I had just applied to see what kind of opportunities there were. Um, Other options would be to become like a patient care technician or an ED tech, um, which is kind of like a nursing assistant role in different hospitals. That would be better experience for PA schools. But then I got this call and they said they needed me in Naples, Florida, and they wanted to send me initially within like a week. So that gave me a lot to think about because I wasn't sure I wanted to leave all my friends and just have an apartment sitting in Birmingham that I was paying half rent for that I was sharing with my roommate. But I decided this was a good opportunity and why not? And I'm so glad that I did because it was a great experience and this whole year has enabled me to travel to different places for work and it's been very rewarding. So I got the call. They needed me in Naples. I said, can you send me in two weeks? And they worked it out. 
I got to go to a Lake Street Dive concert that I already had tickets for with my friends, Kylie and Betsarai. And then the next day, I was flown to Naples, Florida. So that was January. It was a lot of changing and being um, intentional with the decisions of my life, my choices, and being happy with how I was living my life. And then this opportunity to travel came up. And so it was like, let's take this change. And I think it would be good for me. And of just a fun thing to do. And I only really expected to be there for a month, but it turned into two months, which turned into almost three months of working in Naples, Florida. 2019 was a great year for me for traveling because I got to go to so many different places I'd never been before and new cities. So this year was a good year for traveling and meeting new people and having new experiences. The first weekend in 2019, I was flown to Dallas for a social action gathering facilitator training and got to meet some of the Midwestern Baha'is, which was really nice, and I had a good time that weekend. I had never been to Texas before, so that was also fun. I had In-N-Out Burger for the first time. It was good. And then the next place was Naples, and then I also went to... Um, a camp outside of Georgia for the social action gathering. While I was in Florida, I was able to go to Miami. And then in the summer, I had ISGP, which is always in West Palm Beach, Florida. On my drive down there, I stopped in Orlando to see some friends. While I was in South Florida again, I went back to Naples, and I also got to visit the Everglades for a few days. So my friend and I went to the Everglades National Park and We went canoeing and we walked around the different layers of ecosystem that the that are in the Everglades. We saw a real life wild gator while we're at the Everglades Park. Like it was just in its natural habitat. That was pretty fun and pretty cool. In June, I traveled with my family on vacation for a week to Hilton Head, South Carolina, and that was good family time with both my immediate family and also cousins and aunts on my dad's side. Also in June, June was just full of traveling. June, I went to Jackson, Mississippi for an African-American Baha'i teaching conference. While we were there, we did some studying. There were some presentations and also some field work where we went out into the neighborhoods where there was a history of... um, some of the Baha'i core activities like children's classes and junior youth groups and trying to home visit with people and outreach about the programs going on. That was a very good conference and I hadn't been to Mississippi in a long time, in like five years. So that was also another opportunity for travel. And then when I was back in Alabama, I was travel working in Montgomery for four weeks. I got to connect to the Baha'is there, a place that I had never been before that I got to visit several times in the latter half of the year is Asheville, North Carolina, because Hunter, that was the first, Asheville was the first place that we got to be around each other outside of ISGP, and it was in his home community and cluster, and I got to meet several of the Baha'is there, and I've really enjoyed my visits to Asheville. Not only is it Hunter's home and where he grew up, but it also has Baha'i friends that I've met and 
grown to love and I'm so happy that I've been able to visit and to meet his family and to make friends with some of the Baha'is there and there's youth there who are my friends and so traveling to Asheville um, several times this year has been a lot of fun. And then I had a big whole adventure to the Northeast starting in August and I was in Springfield, Massachusetts for work, working in an outpatient dermatology clinic, this time as a travel trainer role, which was different than any of my previous work because previously I was working in ER sites that already had and used scribes, but this dermatology clinic had never used scribes before, and so our role, there was a team of six travel trainers there, and we were learning the new EMR system ourselves and then starting to train up a team of scribes to work with each of the physicians in the dermatology clinic. So it was a completely different specialty, completely different EMR system than I was used to, and it was more of a leadership training role than my previous shift coverage duties. So that was a lot of fun and I'd never been to the Northeast, and I also used it as an opportunity to go to New York City, and I got to visit my friend Tara in Boston a couple of times. Hunter came to visit me while I was up there, and we went to Greenacre, which is in Elliott, Maine. Had never been to Maine. I also got to go to Vermont and went snowboarding for a day, and that was fun, too. And then in November, there was a wedding in South Carolina again. The wedding was on Kiowa Island, so my family stayed there, and Hunter was able to come with us too. And so we went there for my cousin's wedding on my dad's side. And so it was a good year for family, and I'm very glad that we had the opportunity for Hunter to come with us, spend more time with my family, and also meet some of my extended family. And I'm working again back in Naples. Hopefully this will be my last solo travel adventure because looking forward into 2020, there's marriage and there's grad school. And so I'm looking forward to settling down a bit in this next stage of my life. It was fun having this year to travel and to be free. But now that I've found the person I'm going to marry, I don't want to go off anywhere anymore. I don't want to be anywhere that Hunter isn't. I'm also grateful for the opportunities for service that I had this year. Like I mentioned in my travels, I was able to go to the social action gathering in the southeast region, and that happened in Georgia in March. And I was able to serve as a facilitator at that gathering and to learn from the friends about the area, the Baha'i area of activity that is social action. I'm also grateful for the opportunity for serving the youth, being a youth facilitator in different roles. So in May, there was a youth gathering, a Mississippi, Alabama youth gathering that happened actually at my house, organized by my mom. Shout out to her. It was awesome. And she organized that whole thing. And I got to help out as a youth facilitator and go through some of the materials and do the different activities with the youth who are from North Alabama and Mississippi talking about service to our communities and 
building bonds of true friendship in endeavors of service and learning from them and having fun and focusing our efforts on service and consultation about the possibilities for service to our own communities. And then in June, in a similar way, I was asked by my dear friend Tara if I could help facilitate at a youth camp that was happening in West Palm Beach, Florida, the same um, institute where ISGP is held. And so there was like a five-day youth camp where the high school Baha'i youth were studying about the life of Abdu'l-Baha. And the program was awesome. It was organized by Tara. It was a lot of fun to go through um, to go through more intensively and in a more studious manner. Some studying about the life of Abdu'l-Baha. At the end, we did a little fireside, and it was very musical. And the youth told the story of the life of Abdu'l-Baha, and it was awesome. Abdu'l-Baha is the son of Baha'u'llah, who is the founder of the Baha'i faith. Um, and he's the perfect example for Baha'is to follow. And so he has a very inspiring life, being persecuted and imprisoned for his faith with his family and also serving the Baha'i faith as the center of the covenant as ordained by Baha'u'llah. So Baha'is turn to the writings of Abdu'l-Baha for guidance and for interpretation of Baha'u'llah's writings. Studying about his life was amazing, and it's also very fun to to study with the perspective of youth. So I'm grateful that I had the opportunity to spend that time with them and to help out as best I could serve as a youth counselor, making sure everybody goes to bed on time. That's very important. I'm increasing my capacity to have authority, so that's good. But otherwise, that's another reflection from this year that I wanted to have, which was while traveling has been this great opportunity to meet people, connect with Baha'is in different regions, and just make friends with my coworkers. But it hasn't enabled me to feel like that I'm contributing to a long-term process of community building in a cluster, which is something that It was missing this year that I had in the past, like in Birmingham, when I lived there. And it's something I'm looking forward to again as I am going back to Birmingham this year and will be there for school for over two years. So there will be possibilities to maybe start up programs of our own in our cluster and to work towards a program of growth that is long term and that there is that I have commitments to. While I was traveling in Naples and in Springfield, I tried my best to get plugged in into activities and try to help out with children's classes or the junior youth group and offer whatever whatever experience that I'd had of my own. But I didn't feel like an ownership of any of those activities or that I really felt like I was contributing to anything sustainable. And so that's that's going onto my 2020 list of things that I want to do in 2020. Another consequence of the travel life is that I wasn't able to sustain a lot of my friendships that I'd had in Birmingham, and I really missed a lot of my friends. It was a good year for traveling and for making new friends, but I lament my ability to 
to continually feed and develop some of my local friends. And so I feel like I haven't been able to go back to Birmingham or to Alabama as much because I've been focused on this process of developing this relationship with Hunter and making that strong as we go forward into marriage together and also just traveling and not being at home and not being in Alabama. So I'm looking forward to going back and staying in one place and being able to really cultivate some meaningful friendships. While this year was amazing, it was also challenging in a lot of ways. Definitely while I was working in Naples for the first three months during the year, I really struggled with having a work-life balance, and I was working 60 to 70 hours a week sometimes. I had a period twice where I was working 14 or 15 days in a row, at least a little bit of shift coverage or working a full shift, and it did not contribute to a healthy way of living, and it became really challenging. So much where like my off days would be spent in the complete opposite where I might just like binge watch a TV show or zone out to YouTube videos and just get the necessities of life taken care of while I wasn't at work and just like feeding the work monster. Feeding that that American work life where it's all you do and it didn't bring me joy. It was also a good year for saving money because of that fact. My time in Naples was, it was a lot of work and it was busy, but it's also hard to describe how much I really enjoyed it. South Florida in the winter time is beautiful and it was warm and sunny and green and I went to the beach and I got to meet a lot of the doctors and develop a relationship with them and I had a really good time with the Naples team and I enjoyed going to work. But it was difficult maintaining that balance and staying joyful and happy and steadfast in my spiritual practices. So in 2020, we're working towards good work-life balance. A balanced life. A balanced, happy, consistent life. In this last decade, I've grown up a lot. Ten years ago, I was 14. And in the late summer, I would start high school. So in the past 10 years, I graduated high school, I graduated from college, and was able to work and travel for the past year. In the middle of that decade, unknown to me at the time, but I met my future husband. A big part of this year has been my relationship with Hunter. Some of the things that I did this decade was learn guitar, learn ukulele, learn how to play the djembe, djembe drum. I like doing that a little bit. Dance became a larger part of my life. I played a lot of Dance Central in high school on the Xbox Connect, and I also joined a Bollywood fusion dance team in college my sophomore year, and I did that all the way through my senior year. So for three years, I was on a competitive Bollywood fusion dance team, and we went to competitions. My senior year, I was co-captain with my roommate and another team member, and that was a great experience, and I had a wonderful group of friends through my dance team. I grew in my ability to dance and in my identity as a dancer. I learned a lot about 
Indian dances and Bhangra and Bharatanatyam and a whole culture of Bollywood fusion dance competitions. And that was a lot of fun. My reflection of the past 10 years, like I was literally 14 starting this year and now I'm 24 starting this next decade. So not only did I literally go through adolescence, but I do feel like what has overall defined me the past decade is has been a lot of growth and learning that comes with the process of maturing into an adult, into having a career and having my own family, and that is what the next period of my life will be. It's cool to think about how much growth has happened and how much has happened in the past 10 years. I grew up, I moved out of the house and went to college and where you're in that pseudo-independent, still still a bit financially dependent upon parents, but you have this pseudo-independence where you're on your own and you have to feed yourself and learn about who you are and what you want to do and make who your friends are and what friends you want around you and how you want to contribute to the fortunes of humanity. What are your interests and skills and talents and how can you use them to not only make a living but also to be of service to humanity? And that even was a stressful process of like, what do I want to learn about? What do I want to do? What would I be good at? And there's still a lot of growth to be done. And as I'm 24, entering this next next decade, by the end of it, I will be 34. And I have no idea where I will be in my life or in my learning process or as a human being. But I know that it will be a large part of it will be marriage and my career as a physician assistant. And God willing, being able to have a family. So there's a lot to look forward to. I'm really excited about this next stage in my life. I'm so happy and excited that I get to marry Hunter. That is one of the best things that could have happened at the end of this year. In November, I found out that I got into physician assistant school, and Hunter and I also decided that we wanted to get married and were able to get the consent of our parents to be married, and so wedding planning is on the horizon, a wedding, getting married, May 30th, 2020, we are getting married, and in August, I will start my physician assistant program in Birmingham, Alabama at UAB, and Hunter will be coming to Birmingham with me, and I'm so excited because that is a place that I do call home. I'm really happy and grateful that Hunter is able to come to Birmingham with me and appreciate that he's He's having to leave his home where he grew up and where his family is. And that might be a little bit sad, but it's not too far away. And we're able to visit and we can start our life together. So some 2020 goals that I have. A lot of them have to do with focusing on wedding planning and getting married and then also sustaining and building a happy and healthy marriage and foundation for well-being and salvation, as well as focusing on being the best P 
PA student that I can be to really soak up the knowledge of this career and this profession so that I may be able to help and serve patients throughout my career as a PA. So my goals this year are to make all A's in PA school on my first semester and to get married and also to increase my ability to have consistent, to be more consistent, to be able to exercise regularly, to be able to pray consistently and rely on God more. He's really had his hand in Hunter and I being able to grow closer together and also in blessing me with getting into PA school. So I really want to return that gratitude and return those blessings back into work and service to his cause. And that's something Hunter and I want to do is we want to be of service to our communities. We want to be of service to our community. And especially once we are married and living in Birmingham, contributing to that process is something we look forward to. Something we look forward to learning about, because <laughs> service is hard and no one really knows how to do it. Well, that's not true. Um, but we're excited to learn about it and see what kind of possibilities open up by the grace of God. Hunter and I were able to get together this year. We were able to see the light, to find, to set, spark a flame of love for each other. It's been just such a joyful and wonderful thing. During this year's ISGP seminar, there were a lot of things that were different. It was year four, and the year before we'd had about 12 or 13 participants in our group, and then the next year there were only five. So we had about half of our cohort, and the material is... Um, my understanding is that the material is more in development and they're, they're learning about the curriculum of year four. So it was kind of structured a bit differently than in the years past. So the material was different. The group dynamic was a lot smaller. So it was also different. They had taken away a structured group activity that we had had in the years before. So even part of the daily schedule was different. And I was also different. I was halfway through, I had just had this whole experience traveling and traveling on my own to a new place from what I experienced in Naples. So I felt, I had graduated college, I felt, I felt a bit older, maybe a bit more mature, a bit more adult than my previous self, who was just kind of like a college student, figuring life out kind of kind of place. And I was also um, having having fun being single and being kind of traveling on my own. And I wasn't as obsessed or looking for love or marriage or a crush on somebody as I kind of had in the past, especially going into the seminar where there's a space of up to 50 youth and young young adults and young single Baha'i men and trying to catch someone's eye or being on the lookout for that kind of relationship, being open to that kind of thing was something that consumed me more in the past years than it did going into this year. And I think that kind of freedom of my heart 
to just be and experience what this last seminar was. It was also our last seminar. So this wonderful experience that I'd had the past three years, I know that this was going to be our last year together like this. And so I really wanted to cherish it. And I think that openness of my heart and of my being just, it also changed the game. It also changed the game for how I was in that space. And I think it enabled me to shine a bit more. And Hunter was also, he can probably share more where he, what space he was in going into this seminar, but he had had some thoughts about me prior to the seminar and he was I think also open to possibilities and so I got to the seminar and I felt like Hunter who had been my friend the past three years was our friendship was growing and I was really happy and excited about it because this crush that that I'd had on him in the past was kind of it never played out and it there it never seemed like the possibilities were there and then it felt like I felt like I was getting some reciprocal reciprocal feelings and more investment from him in the friendship and it made me really happy we played we were like partners in spike ball at one point or we would talk more during the breaks and it just seemed to be lighthearted and fun and joyful halfway through the seminar there was kind of one intense session that it was hard for the group to kind of talk about or understand together. And we were talking about uh, the prerequisites for Baha'i activities as outlined in the Advent for Divine Justice, the Advent of Divine Justice by Shoghi Effendi, where he mentions such things as rectitude of conduct and freedom of prejudice and living a chaste and holy life. I prerequisite are prerequisites for going into any Baha'i activity. And so we were talking about chastity, which Hunter is like Mr. Expert Chastity person. And he contributed something. He was sharing something that really impressed me or touched me in his understanding of a chaste and holy life and its importance. It kind of struck me and I I went back to my dorm that night and I was talking to my roommates at the time about my feelings for him in the past and how I felt like they were returning again and what should I do and this is our last year and I should tell him about my feelings that I've had and just share that like I didn't have any expectations for anything but that I really valued his friendship and even thought about him in this way and I attempted even at one point to like go on a walk with him and tell him about my feelings But then as soon as we started walking, it started raining and the opportunity just didn't happen. And it really didn't get talked about at ISGP. But when we were saying goodbye, looking back on it now, it's easy to see that we both had more that we might have wanted to say or share with each other about our feelings, but it just didn't happen. But in the moment, you never know like how the other person is feeling or even what the future holds or you know, you just had this great seminar, but then you're moving on to the next thing. And so it was kind of easy to just to say goodbye. And he was going back to North Carolina and I was going back to travel to do more work traveling. And so that's really what I was, I was grateful for the time that we'd had at the seminar. And then I was 
probably going to be okay with going on and traveling. But as, after the seminar ended, there was actually some time that the youth, a lot of youth went to the beach together. And we were able to spend some time and talk at the beach. And then like all the youth went to dinner and we were kind of, then we were, and then we ate together. And then we sat at the same table at dinner and we were like playing this Mad Libs game. And it was a more playful and fun and lighthearted friendship outside of the seminar, which I didn't think was ever at all possible in the past. And so it was really, it was different and I was happy and I was like, I really feel like Hunter and I are friends now, and that is something I've wanted since we met. <laughs> I might have had a couple of spies of friends who I'd made who are his friends from his cluster, Ashia and Anna. And I was asking them, reflecting with them, like, well, how do you think he feels? Like, can you figure out if he likes me? Like, should I reach out? Is this a thing? Like, I don't know. It's a maybe a bit juvenile to try to have, like, your friends go ask your other friend if they like you, that kind of thing. But I don't know. That's how it was. That's how I be. I, it's hard sharing feelings, but it worked out. A week after ISGP, I still hadn't heard from him. And so I just reached out as a friend telling him that I wanted to stay in touch. And that's when he told me that he likes me. And I told him that I like him, too. And here we are, six months later, engaged. <laughs> and it's been a really lovely and joyful journey, getting caught up about our past and being able to visit with each other and to learn more about each other, really to the point where we really develop a strong friendship that grows into studying about marriage and figuring out if this would be a great partnership. And fortunately, we were able to, and with God's help and with time, we were able to see that, that this was the right thing for us and that we believed that we would make a good marriage, be able to serve each other and with each other throughout the rest of our lives and eternity. One God thing that happened this year was, there was one thing that happened in September of this year. I was in Springfield. It had been about three weeks since I'd seen Hunter and we still didn't have any plans made to see each other again. We were still kind of in a place where we didn't know where the future would take us with our relationship. And there was one night we had text, we were texting pretty late one night and I'd gone to bed before I got up early in the morning for work. And I woke up to messages from Hunter, very lovely, very loving messages telling me that he had stayed up all night and he was in the hospital with his dad, who had had a cardiac arrest that night. And these were very scary messages to hear. And when something like that happens to a loved one, you don't know, like, what it all means. And you just, you just know, like, they had a heart attack. There's, there's, there's more tests to be done. We don't know what the outcomes will be, but this is what's happening. I was so grateful that he shared that with me and I really wanted to be there for him. Be there for him and his family in that moment because this was something where it was not about me. 
It was not about me or us and our love and going to visit, but Hunter's dad was very, was in critical condition and no one knew moment to moment what would happen. And I was really scared that Hunter might lose his dad. So I quickly decided that I would, that I would book a ticket and fly to Asheville and surprise Hunter. And so I, I texted his friends, I texted Anna and Ashia, I texted his mom, and she was able to pick me up at the airport and help me surprise him. And so the next day, I believe, it was a Thursday morning that it happened. And then on Friday morning, I was able to fly to Asheville. His mom picked me up, and then we went and surprised him at his work when he was almost getting off. And so he was very surprised because um, we there was a lot of love that we had for each other, but still not enough time to fully be able to know that we wanted to get married yet. But it was this visit where I got, it really felt like this terrible incident that happened to his dad was also a beautiful opportunity for me to be there for him, to be there with him, to meet some of his family. And to me, it was one of my favorite visits, even though it was such a scary and critical time. And his dad ended up being fine, and he was he woke up out of his medically induced coma, and his heart was beating again, and he's doing well now. One of the first thoughts that I had when I got that text from Hunter that he was in the hospital with his dad. And this is a very selfish thought, but my first thought was, we didn't get to ask his dad for consent. And that was a very sad thought because even though we didn't know and we hadn't decided yet that we wanted to get married, on some level I knew that that was, that was, that was what I wanted and that's where we were going. And it would have been very sad to me not to have gotten the opportunity to get consent from his dad or for his dad to see us get married. It really proved to me, it really proved to me that I love Hunter very deeply. And already, I'd only met his dad once before, but, but I already loved them. I loved his parents. They created Hunter. I love his family. They helped mold and shape who he is. And I'm so grateful for them. And I didn't want to butt in or intrude on their family because I still wasn't a part of it, despite the fact that it was a, a very scary family emergency. But the fact that Hunter was open with, was very open to sharing that with me and having me there was very touching. And we were able to spend time together and it had been a very long time and we had missed each other. And it was after that visit that I had a stronger resolve to figure out how I was going to marry Hunter, how we were going to be able to stay in touch and to visit each other again, how he needs to get closer to my family and I need to get closer to his family. It was just clear that we want to love and support each other throughout every part of our lives for the rest of our lives. At the, on the last day of my visit there, his dad had already woken up. His dad had already woken up and was in some ways in the clear. And so we were, we went on a walk and 
sat by a river and and admitted to ourselves that there's no one else we want to be with and told each other, I only want to be with you. I want to marry you. I want to marry you too. Okay. Okay. So let's get married. Like what's the holdup? Okay. So then why are we waiting? <laughs> We'd known each other for several years and had been friends, but only really in a relationship for a few months at that time, which was still pretty early. But it also enabled that the next three months to be more focused in making sure this was the true way that we were feeling and a true decision that we had made together. And then making plans for, okay, so we have to get consent from our parents. We need to work towards developing, continuing to develop a strong foundation in our relationship and scheming how we're gonna get married when are we gonna get married what does the future hold I didn't I still didn't know if I'd gotten into PA school yet he was still had this upcoming commitment to serving in Asheville so the future was was still yet unclear but it's very clear to me now in hindsight of everything that God has assisted us to grow closer together and to develop a strong foundation. And his dad is okay, praise God. <laughs> and it's been the, the most rewarding and joyful and exciting journey and adventure and experience that I've had this whole decade. And I'm so glad that it's really our whole courtship period and then entering into an engagement period and then starting marriage in 2020, it's just a great way to start the decade. And I'm so happy and I'm so grateful. Hunter, I love you so much. Wow, these love letters are so dumb. (laughs) I don't know why anyone would listen to this, but... I hope that this has been a good reflection of the year and the time and the decade and that people can learn more about me and my life and how I think. I don't know. I don't know if people want to know that, but it's just a good way to reflect. It's good to reflect, and there's lots of things to look forward to. The future is bright and happy, and I'm so grateful to God for that. But even so, Hunter and I are still long distance. He is currently in Asheville, North Carolina. He just graduated, now has his bachelor's degree in English, and is living in um, an institute apartment with a with another full-time service youth and so he's he'll be there for the first he'll be there until we get married in late May and I'm currently working in Naples Florida again and I'll be here for several months before I might go back to Huntsville and so the ideas of the the idea of this love letters podcast is still in play because we are still long distance and we keep in touch every day, but it's not the same. It's not the same as being in person with each with each other. So I think it brings both of us joy to be able to hear from each other and to share more with each other, which is why I'm even doing this because. I want to make something. I want to make a love letter for Hunter. I want to make him happy. It's been a good year. Thank you, God.
I hope everyone has a great New Year's and a great 2020. It's going to be awesome. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Before I sign off, um, I have some questions for Hunter. So, Hunter, what are some of your 2019 highlights and lowlights? Do you have any favorite relationship moments from this past year? And also, what are some of your 2020 goals? What do you think our life will look like in 10 years? In 2030? That's kind of crazy to think about. If you could travel, where would you want to go? Potentially in the next year or in the next decade. And yeah, feel free to respond to some or none of those. And lastly, um, this is a recreation of an improv jam session that I had back in August. And I'll leave you with that.